Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. You can find me on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. Spelling G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. Uh, welcome to the 194 of the Galen Trombley Show. My guest today is Katie Calkins. Um, she is the co-owner and speech language pathologist at Adirondack Helping Hands. She's also a clinical supervisor at SUNY Plattsburgh in the speech and hearing department. Katie, I get that correct? You got it all correct. All right. Perfect. You did. So, Katie, welcome. And Thank for you. people that do not know you, because this is Katie's debut on a podcast <laughs> we're just discussing, um, listens to the podcast, has not been a guest on the podcast, so we're... We're uh, getting her started on that today. If this is your uh, maybe your your um, traveling podcast circuit now, you get on. <laughs> just start like reaching out and getting on. This, this is the start of big things here. So, um, Katie, for people that do not know you, give us background. Who you are, where you came from, how'd you get to two thousand? What are we? Twenty two, two thousand twenty two. Katie Hawkins. Oh my goodness, that's a lot. How am I going to put this all together? Let's see here. So I'm originally from Vermont. That's fun, right? Yes, I think it's great. <laughs> yes. I'm from Vermont. <laughs> I moved. I got my degree in um, elementary education. Okay. I taught for one year um, in Ocean City, Maryland. Absolutely hated it. I hated it and I sucked at it. This was childhood education? Early childhood. Okay. I was awful at it. I... It was unfortunate that I got all the way through my degree. and then It wasn't I, that you didn't like kids. It was <laughs> Loved kids. It was the topic stuff. Or, I just, you... I could not, I, I have to tell you, I know there's a lot out there about teachers, but it, like, it's really hard to be one. Yeah. It's, so here was my, here was my deal. There was, there was a group of, of kids that struggled. There was a group of kids that was like right in the middle. And then there was a group of kids that were academically much more strong. I could not figure out how to teach everybody in, in in one day. I just couldn't do it. Like I wanted some kids to come from like eight to 10 and then like the next group, could you come from 10 to noon? I, no, it was terrible. I just, I didn't like it. And I constantly criticized myself about it. So then I moved back to Plattsburgh because I was dating a boy that my sister didn't like. And she said, if you come back and go to grad school, then I will, um, you can live here for free. So I did. So I came back to Plattsburgh State. I got into speech. Absolutely loved it. Was moving the second I got done because I was like, yeah, this was fun, but I'm not living in Plattsburgh. Um, and now I've been married for almost 20 years and I have four kids here. <laughs> so, so, so first off, when you were, how did you, so the, the guy your sister didn't like, is that her current husband? <laughs> Th that's not, right? <laughs> okay. I didn't know if you were like this. That just kind of worked out. I was like, oh, Poor Mr. Calkins, but the uh, oh my gosh, that's so but, funny. So how did how did you end up in Plattsburgh though? Like you went down to Ocean City, Maryland. They came yep. up to Plattsburgh. Were you already in Plattsburgh, or were you go straight from Vermont to Maryland to Plattsburgh? Yep, I went Vermont, Maryland, Plattsburgh because my sister lived here. Okay, and she taught here, and she was raising her family here. 
and she actually had Brady. Okay. You know, you know him. Podcast guest. Yep. Podcast alumni. guest. Yep. 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 Alumni Brady. Yep. Um, and he was um, like my first nephew and I just fell in love with him. So it was pretty easy bait to get me back here. Like really easy. And then, yeah, I went to grad school here. And as much as I adored him, I was like, I am not staying here. I do not like this place. And you stayed. I stayed. So what was your first gig when you got here? That, uh, that kept you in, like kept you staying here Mm, like you graduated, right? Yep, I graduated. Well, because I met my now husband. Okay. Yep, I was on a date with somebody else. And then he was bartending at Woodstock's. Nice. Yep. Yep, and I gave him a great line. Yep, he gave me his phone number and I said, I don't call boys, they call me. He still picks on me about that to this day. (laughs) Did you try to get the number and then you dropped the line or that was the line? No, that was the line I gave him when he, oh, uh, yeah, he, he gave me his phone number and that was, I'm getting embarrassed thinking about it. That would have dumped, so like gave who the says phone that? Number, then you said the line yeah. and then he, oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I thought you like got the number and then said the line and then it was like, but you asked for the number. So gotcha. Yeah, he gave me his phone number. Yeah. But who says that though, Galen? Like really, who says that? I, nobody. Worked. Yeah, but nobody actually says that. <laughs> I feel like that they say it in movies. So I think it's like a very scripted line in movies. You know when you watch a movie and it's just, it's too perfect. The script, the way things flow where like a comeback or a situation. Right. Or my favorite is like when someone, it might be like an action movie or it could be, or even like a romance comedy where they do something and they say something so um, definitive that they're like, oh my God, that better work out. And then it works out perfectly because it's a movie. Right. But I'm like, if I would have said that, it wouldn't have, it would have fallen flat and it wouldn't have been a good comeback or a good like strategy. Like, I don't know. But that sounds like something that you were like living out a movie, but it like worked perfect. Like the cameras run where it could have easily been like, who was this chick at bars or at a Woodstock sitting at the bar? So, uh, but it worked out great. So oh, it did. Yes, it absolutely did. <laughs> so, so when, when you went to, uh, so actually childhood education did you have a degree in childhood education? Mm-hmm. In first? elementary ed. Or in elementary ed. Yep. And then you ended up going into the speech as mm-hmm. more of a specialized. Yes. So why that transition? So after I taught for a year, I just realized like, okay, there's pieces of this that I love, but let's be honest, this I don't think that I'm ever going to be awesome at this. Like I was, I knew enough to know like, okay, I got to figure something out. Mm-hmm. So then I either, I was thinking about nursing or speech, which is funny, right? Because those seem like two totally different things. But um, so speech and education and nursing kind of like all sort of meld because speech has a lot of neuroanatomy and anatomy physiology. So I like all that kind of stuff. So I get to learn about that. And you can work at a hospital as a speech pathologist. So I, uh, so my, so my daughter right now does is going through speech is we all going through speech is that the correct term like going with the speech patho- i don't know so but what i found was so she couple things she holds her words out so she almost sounds like one of those like california girls she'll be like yeah like she'll hold this like long tone out but she doesn't and then the other thing was she wasn't very um she would like trip and stumble a lot so mm-hmm. she was kind of uncoordinated and like walking she'd like walk and bump into things or trip and uh we were told that there is um, like a, a neurological connection between speech and also movement mm-hmm. with the speech pattern with her holding out her words or not finishing her sentences. Like we can make it out and it's getting better. Mm-hmm. But my son, like he could have a full on conversation with an adult and you would know every single word he said. My daughter's like, 
what like what did she say? Like me and my wife know what she's saying, but right. even sometimes you're like, what? And she'll say it, and she'll say it, and she'll say it, and we're like, oh, gotcha. But it like doesn't sound the sound doesn't come out like it's supposed to. Yeah. Yep. So when you say neurological, like what's the connection between everything? With speech, with movement, with motor patterns? Well, everything, I mean, everything really relies on your brain, basically. Mm-hmm. And so there's reflexes that you're born with that automatically, um, some reflexes are done after a certain period of time. Some need some time to mature and develop. Some reflexes, which it sounds like what got picked up on your daughter's evaluation is that um, you literally have to train your brain how to make certain things work or not. Um, so kids that um, we would expect, just for example, like because this is just really easy. If a child trips and falls, you would expect for them to put their hands out. That's a reflex mm-hmm. to put your hands out to catch yourself. Well, some kids don't have that reflex and they literally have to be taught to do that because for whatever reason, sometimes it can be environmental when, when the baby was growing in their mom. Um, and sometimes things just happen. We don't know why. Um, but lucky enough, we have lots of really phenomenal, um, therapists that live in the North country, which is awesome. And that, that totally get this and understand this. It can help kiddos so that it doesn't become an ongoing issue. Um, so what's the, what's one of the things you find the most with children, like with, with like with speech right or now? just in general, yeah, like what, what would be some major like categories? Like this is stuff we deal with a lot with children. So I would say the hot topics right now are speech sound disorders. Um, COVID did not help at all. <laughs> and, and what do you mean by speech sound disorder? So, um, if you have a child that say they're supposed to be, um, instead of saying an F, so instead of four, they say, they say poor, um, or instead of saying, um, snake, they say nake. So that would be a speech sound disorder They're for whatever reason, they're doing something to the sounds that shouldn't be happening. Um, that's really prevalent right now. But they hear it in their brain as like snake. When you say Nate, they're thinking in the head that's a snake. Yes. Like I can yes. hear mom and dad are saying snake. I'm saying snake, but it's coming out as Nate. Yes. And they can't make that connection. Exactly. Okay. Yep, that's exactly it. So then speech pathologists are trained to know that like, okay, this is what they're hearing. This is what they think they're saying, but mm-hmm. this is what they're actually saying. So then there's a certain protocol kind of that you use to teach them. Um, it's called minimal pairs. I don't know if you're... <laughs> well, no, I don't know that. But if... Interested if, in that? If, like, is there Sorry. a lot of... No, is there a lot of correlation though? Like you said, like snake and Nate, like S and N. Are there certain letters that just are very common of like, okay, if you say the F, it's going to go with a P or it's going to go with a certain letter? Yeah, there's... Um, when kids make different... Um, sounds for sounds we're expecting them as a speech pathologist there's certain things that i'm expecting a child to do so um what i would expect for a kiddo um just for example instead of saying vacuum i would expect them sometimes to use a b for a v i would not expect them to use a t for a v though so those are things that we're trained on to understand what's atypical and what's normal but still needs to be corrected so there's a pretty direct correlation between different letters and different sounds. Mm-hmm. So yes. it's not as, it's not like randomized where someone's going to say a Y and it's like, why? But it's a B. Yes. Okay. And sometimes that does happen. And then our job becomes really challenging because there's certain, you don't treat every speech sound disorder the same. It's not black and white. It's not like a, um, I can't just go to every single child who's struggling with sound development and, and approach it the same way. You really have to analyze it. It's pretty nerdy, actually, at the end of the day. <laughs> it's, it, so I'm guessing over time as you... So how long have you been doing this now? 
So I've been an SLP for 18 years. So, so over the 18 years, I'm assuming that a lot of those like random, it's going to call random, but things that aren't, you know, common or let's say uncommon, mm-hmm. you probably have started to see a few of those over and over again, where there's not, again, not common, but you have seen a couple times in your career where you're like, okay, I remember this kid had that connection 10 years ago. And that, so that then it kind of becomes kind of goes in your bag of tricks of like things you can identify very quickly now. Oh yeah. Yes, absolutely. In fact, you know, obviously the more you do something, the more comfortable you become, but also because of things like podcasts, you had asked me if I listened to many. And actually, yes, I do listen to a ton of speech podcasts. That was not available 18 years ago. That wasn't there. And so now I can listen to other professionals and they'll be saying, you know, this, 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 and this is happening. And this is how I treated it. Or they'll have a question and answer thing. And it's really helpful. Um, and it's just, it's nice because our field continues to develop. Um, I love it because we have to have a certain amount of continuing education every year. And I just, I really like that piece of it because, um, you just can't stay stagnant in my field. And I imagine yours is the same as well. Yeah. Well, I think it's uh, it's it's like a, I got like a success habit. Like you have to be learning every day. Even yes. if your industry is like kind of stale, yeah. you can still learn stuff that's, that could evolve your industry or things that, that maybe aren't direct, but are like kind of a, a byproduct that. Yes. So I find that I work real estate for them. Like when I look at like our job for real estate, like the act of buying and selling homes and contracts and everything else is very simple. Like that's not that hard. Like that hasn't changed in many years, but then it's like the little, like the nuances that, you know, the trends, which are real estate, but they're really more economically dependent. That kind of an, like real estate either goes up or down. Like there's right. not a whole lot of like, you can't really think of a lot of changes, but, but then it's really looking at the external factors and how all that kind of works together and then kind of see how like the whole tangle web of, where we are in the world reacts to what we're going to see and how we can, you know, kind of so like forecast it. So that's, that's where I'm looking at, which is probably like you, like looking at trends that are up and coming or, and I think, and again, like you said, like someone, when I asked you the question, like, well, what's popular now? Cause I'm sure there's some stuff that's probably fallen out too of practice. Um, Or most of it, once it gets in there, then it kind of just doesn't really lose like the substance of the English language. Cause the English language has evolved. Yes, true. So I don't know if that affects So I think it depends on what, um, where you're a speech language pathologist, because, um, if you're, if you're an SLP in a school, the SLP's job now has become just enormous. I don't even know how they do it. Really, truly. There's just so much that's put on their plate, especially because, um, as, the academics become more difficult, more ends up falling on the SLP because within our scope of practice is teaching children vocabulary and um, understanding um, when your teacher says something, be able, being able to process what you hear verbally and then applying that to whatever you know, whatever they're asking you to do. So that falls on a speech pathologist as well on top of all of the other things that we, we would do. So when you go to you go in the school and classrooms, are you with kids kind of one-on-one separate from everything? I am because I do birth to five. Um, So I'm early intervention in preschool, which I just don't understand why everybody doesn't do that because, okay, so you have young kids, Mm -hmm. right? So how old are they? Uh, four, three, and one. uh, one. Oh, you have three? I'm going to say one. Yes, I have three kids. You're going to say one? Like, you know when when people do ages? Yeah, like eight eight months. Like, technically, (laughs) seven... 
he would be going on 17 months. Okay. But like in my head, I'm like, he's one. He's like, just one. Yeah. yeah he's All one right. in months. I mean, I, I just I hate doing the math at that point. So I'm like, he's one. He turned one and he had his first birthday. I love so, it. So yeah, so four, three, and one. Okay. So you had your kids back to back to back too. Yeah. It's pretty nuts, huh? Yeah. That's, someone was talking about it with kids and I said, who was it? Oh, yeah, someone stopped in earlier was was talking about kids and that basically just like it just keeps you tired. Like I don't like it's I mean <laughs> you have kids you have all your kids it. are together. That's like, a I don't, great way to put they're it. They're great. It's just like you're you're constantly just like trying to stay awake and yeah. trying to be like Yeah. But you're in the weeds right now. You are I'm in, deep in it, the yeah. weeds, Galen. I, I know like when I look at people and I'm like, Okay, Katie's like vibrant, she's got kids, but she's like she's out, she's doing stuff. There's like I, I can see I can, like I got a pathway, a couple like your youngest you is eleven, like I yes. got ten years. You're I can going get to, to get there. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and then your worries become totally different too. Yeah. So we I've Without getting too much on the kid thing, I've, I've talked about friends with like, now we're, we're busy at home. We're mm-hmm. not busy out, but like mm-hmm. the busies are just different. So mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. So it wouldn't take us out, but then I'm like, maybe that's not a bad thing because we'll see other adults. Like this is like, right. there's there kind of a go. benefit, you know, like this, it'd be good. We could see some friends that have kids. And, um, but so when you talk about, um, so again, when you said everybody should, should go through it. So what's, what's the purpose of that? Like every kid, meaning every kid should see some type of speech pathologist early on. Is that just to increase development or is that to... Oh, wait. What? I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. Maybe I misheard you. So I, when you said something about every kid should do... Oh, I think what I meant to say was I don't understand why everyone doesn't work in birth to five. Because oh, it, is, got you. Okay. it is truly, it's so much fun. It's okay. so dynamic. It changes all the time. If I have seven sessions in one day, my first, none of them are the same. Like every single one of them is okay. different. And not to mention kids are just funny. Like they're super, super funny. They're silly. Oh like, my gosh. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's a they, blast. They try to make, like, they know what they're doing too, so they try to make you laugh. And <laughs> yes. it's like, and they try to be goofy, and it's yes. like, okay. And, um, but when, so the young age, do you think, Lynette, does every kid need some level of speech pathology, or is it, there's some kids that are just like, nah, they're good. Like, they're going to just develop kind of naturally on their own without any exterior, like, intervention on that? Yeah. So, I mean, if I had it my way, yeah, I would love it. Just because what we provide at that age is, it's it's truly just so beneficial. But mm-hmm. a lot of what we do is what you do at home anyway. So when you're reading to your kids, when you're sitting down and playing with your kids, um, when you're just simple things like, hey, can you go get me the blank and bring it to blank? Just all those little things are helping to just train them to help them when they get to school to be able to be as successful as possible. So a lot of it, um, I'm, I'm, you know, dumbing it down and making it seem mm-hmm. like it's so simple. No, please but- dumb it down. I, <laughs> I guess I, I, I work in layman's terms. I'm very good at that. Yes. But a lot of what we do though is it's all, it's about relationship. Um, and I'm sure you can relate it too to selling homes because mm-hmm. when you're talking about things don't change, the market's either up or it's down, but there's things that you do internally mm-hmm. and what you do within your own company that make you as successful as you are. And yeah. that's how I think about speech. Speech is just... It's very relationship based, um, and when you when you really hone in on that, that's when you that I think that's when you become successful as a therapist. So, like I think people that are successful and and I this is something I had I I don't know whether I try to read a lot, so I try to like bring in knowledge and mm-hmm. stuff and sift through it. But one of the uh, things I gathered the other day was that when you start out, everything is very basic, and this is any field. So like speech pathology, real estate, or whatever field that you're in. 
is everything starts out super, super basic because you're learning the basics. Right. And then yep. what happens is at a, cer- one, a certain point in time, those basics keep building and building and building. And then you have a ton of stuff to do. And then it just seems, and you know a lot, but you do a lot and it's all over the place. And I find yes. that the really successful people, because I'm kind of in this realm right now where things get built up, built up, built up, and then got chaotic. And this is not mm. just, this is life because yep. as, like I said, I got three kids four and under. So <laughs> that added to it. But the idea is that when things got, went from very simplistic years ago to crazy, I think the really successful people can take the craziness and simplify it back down to the basics. And that's what I'm trying to work on. So it kind of sounds like you're doing that where if you're going to meet with a, you know, a student um, or a child that you have so much filtering that like you just, you process the information very quickly. Mm-hmm. However that works. Like a right. lot of it's just, you probably can't explain it. I'm sure it's like gut. Like, I don't <laughs> yeah. know. I just feel it. Yep. But you yep. process you it so it. quickly and then you can find the correct answer very quickly. So it's almost like you're the human computer of a speech pathologist about beat, but it's probably because you've simplified and connected all the dots where it's like problem a happens it really is going to be a solution b or whatever right right and it's, it's and it kind of is i find that's my business i can i can problem solve a lot because i can simplify it down to only a couple outcomes right is that similar in speechology i would <clears throat> i think so definitely um i mean there's two parts to my job one i'm a speech therapist and then i'm also own a business mm-hmm. um and so um that has brings its own challenges within itself and so oh, trying to learn how to be a better um manager supervisor boss all of that kind of stuff but then also learning my craft which is what i love so that the the speech pathology piece learning more is really easy the other piece content is more challenging <laughs> So is the speech pathology come easier to you now in the oh running the business? Oh my gosh, a thousand times because yeah. of continuing edu- because of continuing education, um, because it's just something I truly enjoy. It's mm-hmm. it's so much fun. I don't I don't see it as a job. My husband says to me all the time, he's like, "You're so lucky that you love to go to work," and I truly do love to go to work. It is, it's. I don't know how to explain it. I just love it so much. Now, how long have you been doing? So the speech part's been eighteen years. How long have you been doing the business side of the of, of all? Is the same amount of time? Wait, oh wait, Galen. No, I've been an SLP for twenty years. Okay, we've owned the business for eighteen. We've had the business. Oh, for so it's overlap for majority yes. of your career. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yep. yep. Um, do you find that you're more in the speech pathology or more in the business day to day? So I am blessed with a wonderful. Um, co-business partner who we just, without saying anything, we just jive. So she really enjoys a lot of the in-house stuff. Mm -hmm. So she likes to do, you know, the insurances and I, I don't know if she likes it, but she takes over that piece, which allows me to continue providing services. So I do half and half. So I provide services until about noon every day. And then I can go to the office in the afternoon. So that's really nice for me. Right. Cause I get the the structure. Yes. Yeah. That's Yep, absolutely. Um so what do you find is changes the most in their day to day between the two? Like like I said, each kid's different. So I'm I'm guess I think we're very similar in different regards, but um is most stuff like is there a lot of structure in the day or is it kind of like themed out meaning you know, you go and do the services in the morning and then kind of the in-house stuff in the afternoon. So those are like your two big 
chunks or themes of the day. And then yes. Internally, Annette's kind of like all over the place. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah, that's, that, that, okay. yeah, that absolutely sums it up perfectly. Yes, that is absolutely exactly how my day is. Yep. <laughs> so how, how do you, what's your best keys for like managing everything and trying to, you know, whether it's getting everything in or prioritizing or learning and doing and putting, you know, I'm guessing you get hit every day, like your day starts with like a perfect plan. And then by the end of the day, you're like, this is what it looked like. This is what it, what it should have looked like. This is what it actually did look like. Yeah, just a mess. Yeah. Just an absolute mess. Yeah, every day is just like, hang on and just ride the wave until I get <laughs> yes. home and eat dinner and chill. So, um, but like, how do you, how is your, how do you cope with managing all of that and try to, you know, keep everything still running when everything's changing and you have, you know, a lot of, I would say a few hats that you have to wear mm. each day. That's a great question. It's challenging. Some days I'm definitely better at it than others. And I know this sounds so cliche, but obviously taking care of yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Like when I, I go in and out of like working out, but when I'm, when I'm exercising frequently, my life is a thousand and ten times better. It just is. I just, everything is just better. I'm also, um, I'm a Christian and when I'm very tuned in to things like making sure that I'm reading the Bible every day and making sure that we're attending church and watching podcasts, all of that stuff actually helps ground me mm -hmm. tremendously. When I lose touch with those two things, that's when I find things starting to get out of control and it's easy to do, right? Because you start getting busy, so then you start making excuses. But the problem is when you take away those things that ground you, that's when things start to get really tough, I think. Yeah, and I think that, like, as I was saying, when I was things are chaotic, I, a, a couple things that I always go back to because the first thing you compromise on is your time for yourself exactly. and like the stuff you yep. want to do. And I think yep. that's where I'm in that I'm personally in that really weird scenario where you're like, you know it, but it's hard to commit to it because you've <laughs> trained yourself for years, like, not not to do that, mm -hmm. but you could get away with doing everything I was doing because I still had time to do that. And now right. that that time's now sucked, then it's like, <laughs> I got to now take from the other time, which yep. used to just be like, yes, 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 yes. And now I got to, I'm working on setting boundaries and parameters and kind of figuring out that. So when my, like the, the my, like my time and family time, that can be a little bit more just like flowing. Yes. And it, it's, it's a struggle. Like it's tough. That's good. You sound like you have it figured out though. Well, I don't I figure don't, it. I, no. I, 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 no, I think, well, I think part of like, what is, I think I said this before, like the first step is admitting you have like a problem or like kind of when they always say, like yeah, yep. the first step is like, I just know that I just can't do everything. Like I, I'm just aware of that. I'm not like naive and thinking like, Oh no, I'm a superhero. I'm going to like take care of it. I'm like, no, 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 I'm a human. Like I, and like, I only have so much output bandwidth in a day that I can extract before I'm just like completely just out. Like I'm just useless. And it's trying to figure out how I can continue each, each day to just like get up and go to bed, but like not keep pulling from like the battery, kind of like right. let the battery recharge full in the morning. And I'm, I, I feel like I'm getting better in certain things, but then certain things it's like a lot of it's like a mental shift. Like mm -hmm. you just got to mentally be okay with it. Mm -hmm. and, and that's hard to do. And that's so smart. See you. Yeah. That's awesome. That's really good. But you want to know what, do you want to know what my other theory is? Sure. I'd okay. love it. Yes. So I'll say ahead of time. I don't think this will, I don't think this will offend anybody, but if it does, I'm apologizing ahead of time. <laughs> okay. We're setting this up. So we might edit this out. Folks, okay. So. okay. 
So have you ever heard that um, men have brains like a waffle? So like envision a waffle in your head right now and yep. you, all the little Belgian square compartments. Bel- yep, perfect. Okay. Right. And there's like all the little square. Yeah. Well, but an eggo one is smaller though. So you might want to picture that because okay. then your compartments are Flatter. smaller. Yep. Small. Okay. Okay. So you see that like yes. all the little squares, right? Women's brains are like spaghetti. So like now envision a pile of spaghetti on a plate. And it's like just everything is intertwined. Like they're thinking about everything. There's nothing they're not thinking about. Whereas men's brains that are more like waffles, everything is in a compartment. So you think about one thing at a time. Now you're a guy, so I don't know. Maybe this isn't true. But when when that analogy was given to me years ago, I was like, oh my gosh, you just solved all my marriage problems, everything. That makes so much sense. (laughs) So... (laughs) No, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about this. Trying because, to process it? Yeah. Because so, even with your response where you're saying that you're trying to set boundaries, you know that you're, yeah. you know, you're not superhuman. That was something I struggled with so much. I thought I could take everything on it. Actually, I can't. So you think that everything just swirls around and you have a hard time just separating everything. I have to work at it. I have to work at it. Like I have to literally say to myself, I'm not doing that right now. I'm pinning that up. I'm not thinking about that. This is what I'm focused on. See, I... I think I fall in some of that. I feel maybe, maybe I have like, maybe I'm like a waffle brain top with a little bit of spaghetti. Like, but I feel like I'd be like, what's the spiral spaghetti? The one that just seems like they're like, like they're doing like a twist that maybe a pinwheel spaghetti. I don't know. One of those, but I I think Uh, I, I do try to, so my, my wife says all the time of like, like you can only do one thing at once, like multitasking. Now, I also disagree that I don't think people can actually multitask. Like, I, no, legit, it's been proven. Yeah, like legitimately, you can't you multitask. Can't. No. Like, like walking, like the adage of like walking and chewing gum is not multitasking. And we're talking about multitasking of focus, and like you can only focus right. on one thing. Yes, that's why yep. like texting and driving, you can't do both. Like right. you're kind of yep. like, yeah. So something's got to give. Exactly, and so my wife will say that a lot of like you can only you can't focus on two things. I'm like, no, I hundred percent. Like if I'm if I'm focused on doing something and it's not selective hearing, like she might say something to me, but I'm like so engrossed in what I'm doing that I'm like, wait, what? And she would say, we're well, not listening. I'm like, well, no, I'm not, it's not that I'm not listening. Like I literally didn't even, like I was so focused on whatever I'm doing that I think I'm able to really dive into something. If I get into something, I can get into it. Right. Like if I have no it's, distractions, I can get into It's your compartment. Into, yes. It's your waffle brain. So that, yes, I think I can, but I have to make the, I'd have to make the time because I think... Meaning I, I have to, like you said, chalks, like I'm doing this, not doing this, doing this, not doing this. And I think the, my mind spins all the time and which I think a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. And, but it's the idea that can I just, my thing is I have to set direct, like really good, solid boundaries and then I'm fine. Right. Right. So <laughs> Like one of the examples I'm going to give is like, if you were to tell me, cause it's happened before of like, actually I'll give you a very simplistic one. I had to bring my phone in to get a new phone. So when I got the new phone, which was fine, they said, Hey, we got to sync all your stuff up to your new iPhone. I said, okay, great. So me being like, I've never done it before. I'm like, okay, is that something you guys can do? Like, uh, yeah, we, we can do it for you if you want, or you can take it home and do it. And I'm like, no, I just trust you to do it. Cause I didn't know how to do it. Right. Now, this was two phones ago. So what happened was the second time I was able to do it, it was, it was actually quicker to do it at home because of the Wi-Fi, but whatever. So I didn't know this. So I go, I give him my phone. I'm like, well, it's like 6.30 now. We won't have it before we're done closing. Do you mind if we keep it overnight? And then you come back in the morning and get it. And I remember thinking like, 
yeah, that's fine. Keep my phone. So what happened was I like walked out of the store, no phone, and I honestly felt very liberated. Like I don't – because the thing is your phone is like an extension of your arm. Or you're like it's basically a part of you now. But if you said, listen, you do not have your phone, my tendency or want to check it or reflex to check my phone is non-existent. It goes away. Right. So if I'm right. in like that extreme, it does not bother me where – if you said, hey, put your phone like even in your pocket, I will check my phone. Right. But if you said, put your phone in your pocket on airplane mode or off, I won't check my phone. It's just very, like I'm, I'm as simple as that. Like if you put that kind of like limit on it, then I'm right. good. Right. So I don't like, so I'm good at it. But then there's times where I think it's the guilt part. I'm like, well, what I don't, if? if somebody, well, like, <laughs> It's, like I said, it's like in my business, like if someone calls or texts or emails that I got to like get back to them like in a specific time and I'm getting better at not doing that. And I think that um, one of the things that I keep like hearing when I talk to people about it or read about it, or hear people talk about it, it's basically like, yeah, you're going to piss some people off, but just be okay with it because it's yeah. like your sanity. And so I find that <laughs> I'm in that stage of like, I have to just be okay with like letting people down, mm -hmm. not because I'm a bad person, but because I do have to put boundaries and I do have to like take control of certain things, mm -hmm. but it's not how I was wired for well over a decade. So that's why it's difficult because it's like retraining my brain to think and it's not right. natural. Well, we're so accessible. Our in our society really values that accessibility. You mm -hmm. know, if somebody texts or if somebody emails, people are looking for an immediate response. And if you don't, then it carries that stigma of this. You know, you don't care. You're ignoring me. Whatever. Um, which I think is terrible in society that we're doing that. So as a business owner, I think it's awesome that you set that boundaries because then you're also setting it for your staff as well and just saying, listen, when you're here and you're working yeah, let's do this. But you also have a life outside of this and mm -hmm. you'll be better for me if you can do that. But it's hard. I, it's hard to do. Yeah, <laughs> I no, it is. But I, I, it's weird because I actually, I think I enforce it more with the staff than I actually do funny? myself because yeah, I, I tell them to do it. Yep. I'm getting, like I said, I'm getting better. And, but I like the staff all the time. I'm like, if you feel like it's a beautiful day out and it's one, you know, like if you know, it's going to be a beautiful day out and it's a Thursday afternoon, it's going to be, cause again, we live in the North country. We only get, you know, the day I'm talking about yeah, yeah, sunny. Yeah. Like I just want to be outside. <laughs> the one that days. happens once a year. Yeah. Like you get them like it's, they, I would say in the summer they happen every couple weeks. You get that just one really nice day. Right. So I always, I'm like, if you know the day's coming, just plan that like, hey, I'm probably just going to check out early on a Thursday and go enjoy the nice day. And I'm all for it. I'm going to go do right. it. Like I will like I, there's times I've just completely punted stuff because I'm like, we just have a really nice day. Right. And I just shouldn't like we shouldn't be inside working or on computers. Like right. what, I don't care what it is. If you want to go get drinks with friends, if you want to just go for a walk, if you want to just go home early and hang out and sit in your backyard and read a book. I don't right. like just go enjoy the sun. Right. But I think we need that. We need that because... I mean, you said 20 years you've been doing speech pathology. Like 20 years ago, you could probably just check out at whatever time your day ended and not oh come. And nobody would bother you. But now it's like if, like someone, a parent for one of your kids could text you at 630 at night. And all of a sudden now you feel you got to text them back mm -hmm. where 10, 15, 20 years ago, you would have maybe gotten something the next morning. Call me on my home, like at work when you get to like, so yes. you just had the boundaries. We don't yeah. have that anymore. So I, I think know. we have to almost like we let work creep into 
personal time. It's we gotta let we can let personal time creep into work time. Right. There has to be because it's right. just it's gotta be a balance. Yeah. And it, yeah, and there's gotta be an overlap. Like the like the Venn diagram idea. Like there's gonna be some interlude right. where it's like both sides are just right. like, there's a little bit of and I think it's good and I like it because it keeps things it's just not as like direct, like work home, work home. Right. I don't think anybody live really lives like that unless you're maybe like a CO or a nurse or someone that like has like can't use your phone, can't really like you're very struck structured to wherever you right. are. Right. So I don't know. Has that changed much though since you've started? Like what's the biggest change between when you started till now? Because you have 18 years of running a business too. So I mean that's that's um gosh, there's so many things. Um I would say the accessibility piece is huge. Um it's a different professional now. I think I think we we went from this place where it was like people really valued their jobs. They thought so highly of their work. They were really giving it everything that they had almost to the extent where maybe they were taking away from their family or they weren't taking care of themselves. Like it was just, it was going too far. So then that wasn't good. And now I kind of feel like we're in, we're in a different type of setting where not everybody obviously, but some professionals are super comfortable with like, it's all about me. Um, and jobs just don't work that way. (laughs) So it's hard to find that, that balance between supporting, um, new younger professionals and, but helping them learn like, Hey, you have a lot of qualities and a lot of really great traits, but now let's just bump it up a little bit and we got to step away from you some, and you have to realize you're a part of something bigger. So, cause I think, in, I think we've had this movement in society where it's like, you want to do everything that makes you feel good. Well, when you do that, you're probably, <laughs> I know exactly where you're going. So you do, I think is, so this is, I think it gets glamorized on media and it gets glamorized all over the place that like you should ask this and demand this and, and you should not take this less than what you're worth. Well, yes. like, what are you actually worth? Like, and I'm not to be, I'm not trying to be rude or anything, but it's like, if you think that you should be getting paid X or getting these benefits or getting that, and you are in your early to mid twenties and you're demanding something that I'm like, someone that's been working there for decades is barely getting or just right. getting, or yep. I, there's a level of, I think you should be, it's all relative. Like you should be getting you should be getting compensated in everything for where you're at and what value you bring. I don't mm-hmm. if you're 25 but you bring more value than someone that's 55 then you should be compensated more. Right. I just look at it as there shouldn't the 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 I was like the uh the seniority scale mm-hmm. I think needs to be respected if someone's been there longer because I, there is a value in the sense that like I know even at my age I don't know everything. So like someone that's 20 30 years my like my senior I would say I can learn from them. They can right. probably learn some stuff from me, but yep. I don't want to be that like over aggressive kid thinking I know everything and that, you know, a lot of times I might, but then you kind of, as you start to get older, realize like maybe I was wrong back then. <laughs> maybe like they were saying something so again, simplifying things down that I just thought it had to be go, go, go crazy, crazy. Right. Yep. But I think on the other scale, when you have someone that say in their twenties and they're on their first or second or have just bounced around from job to job to job to job, which you don't really have not established a career. And then you go guns a blazing like you're owed the world. I'm like, you're 25. <laughs> right. Like, Slow down. <laughs> you've been working for five years. Right. Not at the same place. Like you don't have right. anything established except right. this like this 
facade that you see on social media that like you are this like you got to be you know you got to stick it to the the person and get what you want i'm like you haven't earned it that's right. the problem is right. if you've earned that absolutely but they said who's to say you've earned something four or five years into a business I've been doing this a long time at the same job and there's a ton of stuff that I'm like, I just haven't paid my dues yet. Like, right. Like right. I know yeah, that. You like, respect that. You know that. I know it. I'm like, yeah. it's, it's a, it's a long, it's a, it's a journey. It's like a grind. Right. You just like, if I just woke up tomorrow and be like, I should be get, getting this, 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 and this. I'm like, eh, I probably should go to like, I, I should go back to the drawing boards. Cause I'm just right. like my, I'm yeah. So what you said is, and do you get that with like kids coming out of school that they're a little bit more, um, like forthright in what they want or a little bit more maybe unrealistic as to like what an early, like this is your first job out of school. Like you, you're based, I mean, you got a degree, which is great, meaning that you have ability to grow, but you're still 21, 22, 23. Right. I think unrealistic is a good word. Definitely. And then just the other piece of it is, you know, within our business, you have to have your master's degree to be able to provide speech, physical therapy, occupational therapy, special education services. So we have the same credentialing as somebody in a school district. Um, and although our agency is recognized by New York State Department of Education and we have to follow all of their guidelines, we unfortunately don't fall in, um, we don't, aren't part of the New York State retirement system or the healthcare system. Hmm. So that's a big difference. So wow. we oftentimes are kind of like a stepping stone for people to get experience. And then a lot of people oftentimes move on into elementary schools, which I understand because they're trying to support their families differently. Mm -hmm. And um, it's it's an awesome job, especially if you're because it's so flexible. Um, and a lot of times people don't leave our business because they want to. They leave it because sadly we don't have we can't offer what somebody else can. But what we can offer is all the things that you're talking about right now, which is just more of that personal mm -hmm. side, um, which definitely we try to approach. And it's just, it's more now, I just have to learn more about the new and upcoming professional. It's just different. We're, it's just different. It's, it's not right or wrong. It's different. And I don't understand a lot of things. Somebody told me today that they were, um, uh, I had to ask Brady, cause a social media um, influencer. Yes. A social media influencer. And they were making drafts. And I was like, well, you might as well be speaking to me in German. I have no they were idea. Making giraffes. Dra um, drafts like DR, not, not the animal drafts, but like D-R-A-F-T-S. Drafts of what? Dra Videos. I don't know. Okay. Okay. See, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, drafts <laughs> be a lot like draft meaning like a rough draft, like a first, maybe like a TikTok video. Oh God. I, yeah. Well, so See, I don't know these no, things. Like, so this is, I, I love <laughs> marketing and media and social media and all that stuff. But like, like TikTok, I, I totally understand the concept behind it because at the end of the day, because this is actually going to piggyback off what I was going to ask you because so everything in life for the most part is based on attention. So if you have attention, you therefore can really, you have a lot of power when you have attention. And this is, goes for everything. This goes for, you know, the president of the United States. This goes to celebrities. This goes to just somebody that might have a, like a well-defined business or whatever. Like right. if you have attention and you have um, some level of um, notoriety or some level of value. So it's the idea of like if somebody was to paint these two guys. I got to post a photo. I haven't posted it yet. <laughs> these two guys were outside the other day. I rolled up. They were painting the station. 
The building, the building that we're in. Okay. The, 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 not the side you were down on, the lost <laughs> on, but the other side. So they were painting the building and it was incredible. And I loved it. I said, this is awesome. And I was talking to him a little bit and I was asking him like, oh, how much do you sell these for? And they gave me a number and I kind of used to like, I didn't say this to them, but like you can use the analogy, like those guys that painted something twofold. Number one, there are two local guys that painted it. They're not, I, I don't know, really famous guys right now, but like, or, or gals, but they're not the Michelangelo of of right. the world right, right. now. Yep. So these these two who are very gifted are only going to, let's say they fetch $500 for a piece of art. Well, what happens to someone that gets $500 versus someone that gets, you know, like one piece of art I think just sold for like, I might be wrong in the number, but I think it was over $400 million. Oh my gosh. But it was, it was like, yeah. That got attention. So the thing was the attention, <laughs> but when you look at it, what makes that piece of art better than that piece of art? And I said, a lot of it is because they've built up some type of value in themselves, like what it, personal okay. brand, whatever you want yep. to call it. So right. that if, makes sense. So, it, and how many, how many artists were doing art back when Leonardo da Vinci was doing art? Somehow he like, is he the greatest, like, are all these artists that do stuff now, are they the greatest artists or they have like this one artist, he's a street artist. I don't, I don't know how active he is. His name's, um, I think it's Banksy. Have you ever heard of him? Mm-mm. So he does art at night and he'll go and just do graffiti art on random like buildings. Okay. So he'll go to like an alleyway and do a graffiti art and like sign it. And it's cause, and the thing is he does it at night and nobody really knows his identity. So his artwork fetches a lot of money. Right. Well, this guy is, it's like, I've seen his artwork. Not, I'm not, I mean, he's better than I am, but like you no, probably I, could find a lot of people that could replicate that very easily. Right. Yep. But because he's built up this persona around that, therefore he's can fetch more money, more value. So I, that's why I'm thinking like when you talk about people on TikTok or doing the drafts, because there's a lot more people that pay attention to TikTok than would pay attention to a billboard in upstate New York. Right. So then it's kind of, so it might be like, Hey, I'm a great billboard dancer in upstate New York. (laughs) That's probably not like, but like maybe I'm a, I'm a great street performer on the streets of Plattsburgh, New York. But then someone says, well, I'm a great street performer. I put it on uh, TikTok. Now I can reach millions of people through my phone. So it's a very cheap, easy way to get there. But, um, so yes, you can make a living off of it because you have the attention. That's why ad revenue and people are like, oh, millions of people watch your videos. Can you promote our stuff? Because we now get in front of a million people that are in our demographic. Right, right. That makes sense. But like we look at them like, that's stupid. They're just doing these goofy dances on camera. But a lot of these people are like multimillionaires because right. of, but it's attention. Yes. That's what it all comes down to. Which, and that's the, and that's what I was going to ask you because you said like we were on the state, um, you know, we don't get state healthcare we don't get state um, insurance we don't get certain things like that so then you go back to the idea that people leave because of that but mm-hmm. it's like but if you really looked at the impact of people mm-hmm. i was thinking about the other day when you have like teachers and scientists and you have all these people that are progressing the world forward mm-hmm. and, and making impact in the world versus someone that's doing like you would argue the tiktok person's entertainment escapism for somebody right, right. but if you took that person away or their business away I don't think the world's going to end where like certain people are making bigger impacts on people. So it's like, but things aren't compensated based on impact. They're compensated based on attention. And that's always like the odd thing in the world because 
you know, I oh don't gosh, know. Just, I love that. I never looked at it that way. I yeah, never really thought about it like that, but that, yes, yes. It's very strange. Cause like you can go, I mean, think about like, we always hear like nurses are underpaid or, mm-hmm. you know, obviously doctors are fairly well paid, but like nurses are, but I'm like, I mean, I, when we went to have our kid delivered, like nothing against the, the delivery people were great, but mm-hmm. I said, you spent more time with the nurses than anybody else. But and it's like, and they were, they were awesome people. Like they did a great job. Uh, but then you look at that as like, they're making a difference, especially when you have a newborn kid and you're talking like someone like me that doesn't really know what they're doing, like <laughs> between like life and death. And like, that's right, very yeah, important versus yeah. someone that's doing goofy dances. Right. But the goofy dancer could make, they get all the attention. They can make, you know, 20 X a year versus yeah. what the nurse makes just because they can, they have a lot more eyeballs on their, on their account. It's very strange. nuts. It's very strange. Yeah. When you put it that way, like I never stopped to think about it like that, but yes. yes. I mean, the internet just, it's the internet. I mean, the internet, because it connected everybody, it's just a totally different world. That's why, like, I think it goes back to our people like reaching out after hours or people checking in or feeling like why new kids coming out of the workforce or going into the workforce demand something because they saw someone do it in Indiana and now right. they think they got it like I'm like oh god because like, it went viral and now this viral person like threw a cake at her boss I'm like okay great like but I'm like that's not really how the world runs you oh, know? I know I know but right it is it's out there though it's totally out there it's nuts was it's- it you give an inch they take a mile like it's yes. like yeah, it's just it's just interesting. It's just and coming off of COVID, like there's a lot of mental health challenges right now, and yeah. and trying to figure out the line between supporting someone and enabling someone is really difficult. That's really hard. Or or the idea of I a lot of I'm very like. I'm a very empathetic person and I'm mm-hmm. not, I'm like, I give everybody the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. Like, if yep. you think that you need time off or need this or that, then I'm just going to trust that you think that's what's best for you and I'm not going to debate you on it. Right. Like, but there's also times where, like you said, you know, being sympathetic or can I just tell you to like cut, cut the crap and like, like buckle up and like just do your job. Right. Cause I find that it's. <laughs> I find that at times that stuff can be a very easy out for people to point to. And then guess what? Because of social societal pressures, if I even remotely think that they're not able to, or not warranted that or whatever, then all of a sudden I can be looked at as like this unsympathetic, doesn't care. Like, yeah, it goes both ways. Yeah. And I'm like, I I just want you to get your work done. Right. Yes, exactly. Yes. I think that's probably the most challenging piece of owning a business because I think um, I, I'm always trying my best to make sure everybody's okay and that you're pleasing people and that you're – nobody, of course, is, is ever paid for the most part what they deserve, truly, especially when you're working with New York State Department of Education. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. Um, so we have confines with that, obviously. But then the other piece of it is, is I, I think I'm always trying to do my best. And one of the hardest things to accept is there's a lot of people that think you're not, you know, because they have a lot of judgment. Like, well, why didn't you do this? Or you should have mm-hmm. done this. Or why didn't this happen? Or maybe this should have happened. And so that piece – learning to take that constructive criticism and just try to get better at it and filter out like, okay, what is realistic here that's coming at me? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, I think there's, I, I think that's when the, uh, like I was telling Jen, who you met, we were going over, going through some stuff and I was kind of going through, um, kind of talking about like prioritizing and mm-hmm. like, what's, what do we really need to do or important? And the two things I looked at is like, okay, what are the things that I need to either eliminate or cut out of my, like my life 
for whatever reason, I said, I'm basing off of two things. My two, my two main currencies that I'm looking at was time and energy. Like money's on there a little bit, but for the most part it was what sucks most of my time and what just is a mental just like, ugh. Like it just, it, it, it takes a disproportionate amount of, of mental energy to perform that task. Mm-hmm. And then, then it was which tasks do I really like to perform that would increase my like happiness or increase right. my like <laughs> my or would actually energize me mm-hmm. like when, when I was doing it like podcast like I put the podcast down but I put the podcast down as something that energizes me that's something I enjoy really doing because enjoy it. yep. it's fun and I and part of me is like well sometimes time it takes time because I have stuff going on but I'm like you know what but I never really do the podcast and be like oh I gotta do podcast <laughs> I actually look forward to it because I'm right. like because again I don't this is odd that my phone's here it's only because of time like I just want to make sure that I wasn't running late but I usually have my phone on my desk like right. so I it's that we talked about like cutting out the I don't like actually go to my desk to check my like my phone as we're talking I just like no I don't have it for a few hours and it feels great right right but so it's it's like that uh I don't know it, it's kind of trying to figure out what's the energy sucks and I find mm-hmm. that one of the energy sucks is the is the idea of trying to I want to say please everybody but I think it's trying not to offend people. And I think because everybody's yes. on eggshells about yes. everything. And in yes. my thing, it's like, I don't like conflict mm-hmm. as much as any. I don't think anybody likes mm-hmm. conflict. Yep. If you do, you're just screwed up. Like, yeah. I don't think people actually try to pursue <laughs> conflict in daily life. And I think the problem is like setting expectations and holding people accountable is I think that a lot of people have just gotten soft and they just like, well, I just can't. That's just too much. I'm like, I'm not asking you to like move mountains here. Like, this right. is a very basic like role or task that you should be doing. And I just, I get to the, I'm also at the, my managing style is like, if I'm telling you to do something and you're a full grown adult, there's a problem there. <laughs> like, I, I, that's why I always go back to, I'm like, do I really have to say that you're not like, I'm reprimanding you like I'd reprimand my three-year-old for like not doing something partly because she just doesn't know any better. I said, right. you're, right. you're an adult, you're older than me or whatever, <laughs> check whatever box you want. Right. Like you Why got all I... the, you have all the prerequisites to do this normal, like a normal person. And yes. I still have to tell you to do it. And that, that part to me is like mentally draining mm-hmm. of like, I'm like thinking, like thinking for other people and trying to like plan for other people. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I, I'm like, you got to step up. You got to like put some of your own mental energy into a, something because that's what I think as we say with business owners or people that like run stuff, it's we're looking at a million things mm-hmm. that half the time people don't even understand. Yes. And then when people are like, oh, you're not doing this and this, I'm like, you're looking at a subset of everything exactly. I'm dealing with. And I'm like, yes. you're right. Sorry, I should have done that. But I'm like, if I could just like dump all my crap out of my brain onto you, you'd yes. be like, oh yeah, that's not that big of a deal. Right. Like, yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is said. Yes. That's exactly what it is. Right. That's exactly it. Yeah. We're just looking at it through a much bigger lens a lot of the times. And, you know, truthfully, the, um, I feel like I, I want to say this because I don't want to sound like it's all, it's all negative. We definitely have challenges running a business now coming out of COVID social media, all that kind of stuff impacting things. I think it's challenging for any business owner. I also think it's challenging to be an employee right now because there's so much coming at you if you are working with other people as well, because, um, I don't, I don't know how to explain it. It just seems like there's, I was going to say like, employee to employee or staff to staff or coworker to coworker, I think is very, they're all the same. Cause like, cause same thing. If somebody like will take COVID, if someone 
is uptight about COVID and someone doesn't care. Yes. It's now insensitive if yep. you disagree with the person that cares about it, but the person that doesn't care, like people can just say like, I can't believe you don't care about it. I'm like, well, it's, right. it's a two way street. It's exactly. You can't, I've always looked at it like, I don't care what your thoughts or opinions are. Just don't push it on other people. Yes. I feel this. Just do yes. your own thing. Yes. And be fine exactly. with it. And be accepting of other people. Yes. And I find that that, that is not always a two way street. No, no, nope. no, it's absolutely not. That's probably the biggest challenge and change of owning a business now, because that's the world that we're in mm-hmm. that piece, that managing that piece and just trying to help everybody feel like, no, I really do care about you a ton and I appreciate you so much, but somehow we have to find the middle ground, which can be that, that piece is the part that's changed the most and probably what I felt the least prepared for. Yeah. Well, it's also like little (laughs) comments that people make where people will make a comment because they think that that's like socially accepted, but Mm -hmm. I'm like, you're also like right down the line of like, whether it be like I'll just call it politics. You're, you're on the line of different belief systems, and but right. you making a comic that's definitely pro this side versus this side, then it's like, but you think it's fine to get away with. But someone said the opposite, then you'd be all up in arms that someone said it the opposite of what you just right. said or disagreed with that. So I'm like, hey, just just leave that stuff out. Yes, like, you exactly. You can have your opinion. I value sure. that you have an opinion, and I think you should go do watch consume do whatever you want for your side. But as soon as you start like telling people they got to do it that way, then I'm like, that's eh, not. Not the right way to do it. Right. What's right. probably like, how do you find it working with children and parents? So what I'm saying with parents is like you come in as the professional to work with a child. Mom and dad love that child more than anything mm-hmm. in, in life. Do you find that it's hard to, because the kids at the end of the day are kids. Mm-hmm. They're going to do what you tell them to do. Yep. They're like, they want to <laughs> listen. They're going right. to learn. They're, they're especially that age. But like, do you find that, do you get a lot of parent intervention or are parents very supportive or is there always, it's kind of like one bad apple versus a lot of really good parents? I would say for the most part, it's, I mean, I can, I've been doing this for 18 or 20 years. And so I can probably count on one hand, the number of negative experiences that I've had, I think mm-hmm. with parents, I think for the most part, once you get past the initial, um, the child qualifying for services and helping parents walk through that. Cause that can be very devastating. Mm-hmm. Um, my, um, my husband and I, our first son was born with bilateral club feet. So, um, I feel like I have a different view when it comes to understanding and empathizing parents, whether it's your child has a speech delay or a language delay or your child, you know, they've got some sort of gross motor delay. I feel like I, because I can come at that empathetically, from a parent's point of view, because I've been through it, I think that definitely helps me. Um, and then I think also what our agency's philosophy is um, definitely helps get people on board with services and moving forward and things like that. That that helps a lot. We've spent a lot of time learning and getting better about what makes people tick, how we how we walk alongside how you walk alongside someone instead of I have more knowledge than you. I've gone to school, so you don't know about this, but I do. You never want to put that out there but it's out there yeah <laughs> there you know well i mean i just i look at uh like i remember as a kid like you'd go to class and uh <laughs> it, it actually it's funny because jen who you met used to actually work at my old school when i was in school oh my goodness how so, funny <laughs> so like i didn't know her back then like right. i probably have saw her multiple times in my life but just right. like you know i was young and uh but, uh, and so wasn't she. So the, uh, but it was funny when, when you were a kid and like a kid went to like PT or OT or speech, mm-hmm. 
like there was always the negative connotation mm-hmm. of like that kid's just not smart, that kid's dumb, that kid's whatever, and and you could feel it amongst the cl- and I think part of it was like okay, you and you, you're gonna leave and go to speech, you're gonna leave and go to PT, and you just thought like, oh, they just like can't hang with the rest of us. I mean, right. kids, are, but as young age, kids can see that two kids are leaving, or kids can see that someone's going, and I think when I was growing up, my one of my sisters went to speech. So like mm-hmm. it didn't really, and I think maybe it was just kind of like, cause she's my sister. Mm-hmm. Like don't pick on her. Don't like, right. Like she's yeah. going to speech. Like it's not that big of a deal. Like she's fine. And like, yep. and I think that I never had that issue. And then when you go on the, now having a child with speech, like you look at it as I would be lying if I said that it was just like, ah, she's great. She's in speech. Cause there is like a, a, a small level. Not that I, I mean, she's great. I absolutely love her. But there's, there's like a small level of like, oh, that, like, stinks that she needs to do that yeah. kind of stuff but then i'll be honest she loves it and yeah. <laughs> and she makes improvements and it's so funny because we'll ask her like how'd you do what did you like it blah blah blah. and she's yeah yeah and then like and she kind of goes through and you can start to see her you know you can start to see stuff improve and start right. like this past weekend we were down and she was um she was on like this big castle thing and then she was doing some stuff on like a playground and she was able to do it and i was like she wouldn't be able to do that a few yeah. months ago. And it was it was cool to see. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, and you don't really notice why she's doing it, but then you just kind of stop and pause. You're like, wait, she never would have done that. And, right. Um, but I don't think that – I always look at it like it's a challenge for her because it's new, but she's young. But I'm like, oh, this is cool. Like this gives her an opportunity to like make herself better, like improve right. and like really get off to a good start. And I think um, – do you, how do you find that with children? Because you go primarily to schools, right? I do. I go to schools and um, I go to people's homes as well. Usually it's the younger, um, the kiddos that are three, four, and five. Most of them are in preschools, mm-hmm. but then um, some kids are either at daycare, daycare or at home during the day. So I go there too. How, how do you find that the kids interact if like you go in with one, because it's you with one kid on the side for the most part, right? Yeah. Oh, Galen, it, I, I, it makes me feel so sad because basically you are this one-on-one play therapist for a child and kids see that you're, you know, you've got a bag of toys with you. And, um, usually if you're working in that field, most, most, I don't really know any therapist who's not super animated with, you know, kids that age. So you're fun and kids gravitate to you. And so they're always saying like, can I come with you? Can I come with you? And I, I always feel so sad, like, because no, I mean, sometimes you can, but sometimes it's, it depends on the child, like, because it might take away from their session if I bring a friend along. Do so you think it's actually worse in the sense they want to be included versus yes. that student oh my feeling gosh. less? Like- yeah. The, the kid that's being at this level, the kiddo that's being taken from their preschool classroom to go with their special teacher. Yeah, they are like on a pedestal. Like I want to be oh, them. I cool. wish I were totally them for sure, um, because they just see it as something fun. They don't see it as you know any work or anything like that. So um, it's and I always I no truly I feel it like that's a piece that makes me feel so sad. And sometimes I'll say like um, I'll say my I'm so sorry. I I asked my boss and she said I wasn't allowed to, but I can give you her phone number. Like if you want to call my boss to the kids. <laughs> yeah, kids like yeah, I got my toy, yeah. toy phone here. <laughs> Pretty soon, the guy should be whipping know, out a real phone and be like, one, yeah. what's her, Katie, what's her number? Yeah. <laughs> but usually that will pacify them or they'll pretend to write it down or something. And there's there's one room that I go to, a toddler room that I intentionally build in an extra like 10 to 15 minutes to hang out in their classroom because I just, they're so sweet, all of them. And I just love them. And I feel sad, like not interacting with them, you yeah. know, because it just, they don't get it. Like my daughter at home, like with the other two there. 
One's always there because like unless he's napping, he's right. he's there. But with the older ones there for some reason, he's like wants to be involved. And we're always like, that's Oakland's time. Like my right. daughter, so I'm like that's her. This is like well, no, she's doing it and. And there's definitely like feeling left out because like, yes. wait, why does she get so like yes. it, there is. OK, so I, I just want to make sure because I was always thinking like if, it, if you go in, sometimes if a kid gets pulled out. I didn't know. If, but they, they're probably at an age where that just like them being separated. It's not a big deal. No, they feel special about it. Yeah, because like I get to go with. Like, yes. I, whatever they call you, Miss Cockins or Miss Katie or Ms. whatever. Katie, yeah, yeah Miss Katie. I get to go to Miss Katie. Yeah. No, they love it. And truly nine times out of ten, there's. Most of the kids, can I come? Can I go with you too? Can I? And you do. You feel you feel badly, but I would say definitely at this age, kids see it more as like something that's special. Yeah. Then, but we as parents, right? Like we overanalyze it. I think sometimes and feel sad about it and worry about it and all that kind of stuff. And the, meanwhile, the kids off having the best, you know, the time of their life. Yeah, I, I think, <laughs> and I think that's something that you know you you realize that kids. I had a uh, like one of the things I had a friend kind of related but differently a little bit. He goes, you don't have to do a lot or spend a lot or do a lot of stuff with like, young kids because they really just want like to be time. So what he was talking about was like a baseball game. He said something about, you know, I could bring my son to a baseball game. But he goes, honestly, he likes it just well enough. We sit down like me, his grand, like the kid's grandfather, maybe his uncle or whatever, or cousins, and he just sit and watch it, the same game on a sofa in a TV, but they're all together watching a game. Like he goes, it's the most simple thing, but mm-hmm. they just want that. They want that time. They want yes. that attention. So, yes. and of course, as a parent, you're always like, I got to, we got to do something fun or special or whatever. And, and a lot of times, like, you know, we've gotten to the point where it's like, let's just take them to the, like a park, like yeah. let's go to the playground, let's yep. go to the school and let them just run around and go on something different. And like yes. for them, it's like an hour and a half or night, probably not that long, probably an hour of them just running around being like. Oh, that was awesome. I had a blast today. I got yeah. to go on a swing. Yes. Even yeah, though we, we have a swing at our house, it. but like, yeah. you go on like, and they, it's funny how they describe it. Like, well, we went on the blue playground. Yeah. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yes. And it's like the blue playground at a school. I'm like, yeah, that's great. And so I'm finding that that's more and more fun of just like little simple things that you can do with kids, but they're just like doing a puzzle. Like, I want to do a puzzle with you. I want to yeah. play Uno with you. Like, yes. and that's, and it's like, that's all it takes. Like, it's, it's so, they're so, like, they're just at that like very, Almost like we were talking about, like trying to free up time in your your life that's not just like go, 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 mm-hmm. which is kids. Because like kids, when they wake up, there's no time. Right. No. Like they just wake up. They don't know time. They don't right. know the concept of it. So they're just like, what am I doing today? I'm just like flowing. I'm just, what I, I'm doing what I want to do. <laughs> yes. And it's hard because we're wired. Like we tell them like, hey, we got to eat dinner. And they're like, I'm not hungry. I want to go play like my son does and then eight o'clock we're supposed to go to bed it's starving. like i'm starving <laughs> yeah. well i've already picked all your food up right. i'm not doing two pickups of the kitchen and uh so, so you have funny. that fight every night but yeah. then you gotta like also step back and say he probably wasn't hungry you wanted to play it was light out like right. so it's it's just it it's it's just funny like yeah, i don't know it's just, well and i think that's probably the well, two things. One, when my kids were little, that was the hardest thing about being an early intervention and preschool therapist because I would think, you know, I just gave all this time and attention to somebody else's child and now I've got to go, I'm going to go home and do the same thing. And sometimes mm-hmm. I'd feel really guilty about that because it can, it's mentally draining mm-hmm. when, cause you're on when you're with kids, like mm-hmm. you don't, you don't take a second off, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then given what, um, given what our philosophy is and how we work with children, 
I think it tends to stretch you mentally just a little bit more too. <laughs> so, so what, what would be the, what, what's your main philosophy at like how you go? Oh my gosh, Galen, it's so fun, but a lot of people in the North country don't really know about it. So have you ever heard of the play project? I'm gonna I'm gonna say yes <laughs> because but I don't know what it is. <laughs> okay, no, but that's I know, totally I've cool. He- I've heard of from Brady and her, but yes. Okay, so the play project actually was originally designed for children with autism, and it's it's definitely for the younger population. And basically, the philosophy behind it is um, when you do what the child loves, the child loves being with you. And the reason why that phrase was coined is because a lot of times for children with autism, um, social interaction is one of their most challenging deficits that they might have. And so for parents that are, you know, now all that they have this two and a half year old and maybe they've had some struggles and somebody, they've gotten evaluation and then they find out that their child has autism, it can be something obviously that's very devastating to them, but also a lot of times parents aren't equipped to know, like, I don't know how to interact with my child. And that feels bad for a parent to say that, right? Because Mm -hmm. they think they're the only ones that feel that way. And the reality is whether you have a child with autism or not, we oftentimes don't know what we're doing as parents. Like we're flying by the seat of our pants and just figuring it out as we go along. I'm glad, like you said, I, a few years down the road, I still won't know what I'm doing. So yes, it's good. Exactly. And it, but, but we're not good as a society at saying like, hey, buddy, it's totally cool that you have no clue right now. Just be with them. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of what this philosophy is. It's um, instead of... Uh, I want to be careful how I say this. We have an approach... Um, we have lots of different approaches when it comes to children with autism, but a lot of it is what I think I should do. So I'm not necessarily interested, say you're the child with autism. I don't, I don't really care, Galen, that you love to play with wheels on a car. I, I'm, I'm not going to care about that. I have an agenda today and I'm going to meet this agenda and this is what I'm going to do. The play project is the exact opposite where I come in and I enter your world and now you're playing with a car with wheels on it and I start doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like why in the world would you do that? Um, but the more that you show the child, hey, I'm here with you to spend time with you and hang out with you, that child learns to start interacting with you. Um, and it just it just builds relationships really is what it does. And it's phenomenal. And so I first started learning about this to be a better therapist, to work with children with autism. And then I was like, wow, this was coined for children with autism and it's actually pretty much a life lesson. Like it's with everybody because it just comes down to relationships. It comes down to time. It comes down to being intentional about the time that you're spending with someone. So you're not thinking about something else. You're only thinking about that person when you're with them. So no matter what child I'm working with and you know, what their disorder or delay might be, I have that philosophy in the back of my mind. So, yeah, I'm, I was going to say, so that's, that's something that you do with every kid well, or starting to? Pretty much. And what's really funny is I say this a lot is that my preschoolers and my college students have the same needs. <laughs> yeah. They need someone to spend time with them. They need somebody to just pay attention to them and say like, how are you doing today? Adults too. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny because I've said it to my husband before, like I'm doing the play project on you right now. <laughs> and- <laughs> I'm sure he's like, darn it. Like, um, but I, um, well, I mean, just you saying that, like I, of course you don't know when you're in the moment, but like when you just said that, it's like the times where my, if I see my kids just doing something, mm-hmm. maybe my son, maybe he's watching a show or maybe he's doing a puzzle or maybe he's just playing with a couple cars. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm human. I don't do this all the time, but it, there's times where like, like I said, I'm trying to be more like 
slow down, pause during the day. So like sometimes I'll just be walking and I'll be like, ah, doing this, this, this. And I'll look over and like one of my son is just like, my little one is doing something with like play food mm-hmm. and he's moving stuff. Like, but if I just go sit down next to him and grab something, give it to him, then he's like, oh, and he hands me something. Yes. And then he's like involved. Yes. And I find that I'll have to do that more because I, I do it, but it's like when I, it's, it's crazy because when I do it, no matter which kid I, I go and see and they're doing something or maybe one kid's playing a, like a puzzle. I just like lay down next to him like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm just putting the puzzle together. See, I got this, I got this color and he just explains it to you. And I always feel like I get a lot out of that and mm-hmm. I feel that he, like him, her, whatever, they spike like their like excitement level because mm-hmm. one is like, well, hey dad, like I want to show you this. And I've never connected the dots on that till now but I, I now that you're saying that, I'm like, I can think of a lot of times I have done that and every single time I've gotten a spike in good feeling and yes. they've gotten a spike in good yes. feeling. And it's almost like, oh, that there actually is like a direct, like I was inadvertently doing it and they yeah. were directly impacted by what you just said. So that's why you said like, I'm like that every kid does it. Like that, that's exactly it. Yeah. And that's, wow. That makes I, sense. Right. Yeah. And that's why I love it so much. But the, the kind of mindset shift that we're really working towards right now. And there's a big neurodiversity movement where autistic adults are coming out and they're speaking about how they felt about some of the therapies that they received as a young child. Mm -hmm. And so when you look at it through this lens, basically what we're saying is I'm going to build a relationship with you no matter what. And, and that's really what the bottom line is that that's the black and white with it. I'm going to build a relationship with you no matter what you're doing. I'm still going to build that relationship because when you do that and you have you have that relationship with someone, all of a sudden now everything becomes easier. And if you think about, you don't have to name names, obviously, but if you think about your most challenging employee and maybe your employee that's just, you really connect with, mm-hmm. it's probably relationship that's separating things. Probably the the employee that you might get the most out of and, and things like that is maybe someone that you have a phenomenal relationship with. And by that, I mean, just somebody that you can sit and talk to really easily. And like, you just jive and like, things are just, they're just easy. Someone who's more challenging, you probably have less of a relationship with. And it's the same thing with kids. When our kids are acting up at home, if we take three seconds to just connect with them, we can turn things around really, really fast. And that's basically what this philosophy is. And it sounds so simple, but we live, we are part of it's changing, but we're part of something where if somebody gets child diagnosed with autism, they need to be fixed. And so we took a very um, skill and drill type of um, philosophy to fix these children. The play project says, no, 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 this person doesn't need to be fixed. They need a connection and here's mm-hmm. how we're going to do it. And, and you get to teach parents how to do that too, which is that's probably my favorite part yeah. because the parent who maybe hasn't had the child give them that back and forth eye contact and that reciprocal communication like that if they haven't been able to feel that with their child then you can teach them how to do it my life is pretty much complete yeah no that's cool <laughs> I, I well i think it like i said like raising like kids are very um like they're very resilient they're very um adaptive they're very like they i find they just like they have a lot of flow in their mm-hmm. life. Like they just yeah. like they just flow, right? and I find that adults, a lot of us don't. Mm-hmm. And then I find that the difficulty, a lot of times, is trying to meet the flow of a kid because mm-hmm. there's times, and you always fight it because it's like there's times where you're like, I, I should be doing this, but then I also I selfishly do have to take time to myself because, and that's something that you know I call, I just call it parental guilt. It's like 
because I'm home, I should therefore just completely shut down and be with the kid. But I'm like, there's also, there are responsibilities that yeah. <laughs> that do sneak in. Yes. And there are, and this is not every day, but like there might be a couple times during the week where you just have to say like, hey, listen, like I just need you to go play with your sisters, brothers, go outside, like go see mom, go do something because I just need an two hour, minutes. two hours <laughs> or yeah, or 10 minutes to do something yep. without interruption. And you always... You have that like fight back and forth and then like that's I think what happens is you just start to wake up earlier and go to bed later because you're trying to like appease them and fit it all in and it's it's difficult and it, but I think you know trying to I don't know if there's a perfect way to figure it out but I do think like I said it weighs on parents I think more mentally than it actually is affecting the kid 100% because <laughs> the kids like don't care they're like right. oh they, they throw a tantrum for 10 minutes and then they're off and doing the next thing right yep they're like moved on <laughs> and if you come back in an hour and hang out with them like you said like even for 15 20 minutes of just or even five minutes of just very hands-on then they're like oh hey blah 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 like yeah. oh yeah wait I was mad at you an hour ago I don't remember that like right but like I, in our head we're like oh my god I'm just like I only saw him for like 20 minutes tonight and but it weighs on us and they're just like no, like my daughter, but like, I wasn't talking to you. I was talking to my brother. I'm like, okay, I'm sorry. Like, I'll go, I'll go to the other side right. of the house right now. Like, no, don't talk to me. I'm like, okay, so, so maybe it gets maybe it gets different in the future when they don't want to talk to you. But like right now, they do. So well, so then it. I mean, so I have three teenage boys, and my daughter she'll be 12 in July. And but it, it doesn't it doesn't change. It's still all about relationship. It's just now I have to change the dialogue a little bit. Mm-hmm. I can't really ask WH questions. I have to ask more open ended questions. And um, when I the times I notice when I'm most connected with my boys is when I'm listening and not talking, which is hard to do because sometimes I want to strike up a conversation with them, but I just, you have to read the room, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say though, that the play project has changed me professionally and personally because it's really, really made me look at relationships and just, Oh, sorry. Keep no, going. no, no. Just how valuable they are. So with like a play project with like a teenager being different, that might just be sitting down and watching the game with them. Obviously, if you want to, I mean, obviously, I don't want to watch that show, but like if you were to sit down and be like, oh, this is a great movie and just like sit down with them and just that could even be enough. Or it's Absolutely. Like- or if you have, you know, if you have a kiddo, um, one of my sons is, he just loves Xbox and my husband doesn't, he just doesn't get it. Like he doesn't understand how he can play so much, you know, so much time on there. But one of the ways to connect with him is just go lay down on his bed while he's playing and ask him questions. And actually my husband is way better at that than I am. Um, but then he loves that, that now, now we've connected. And so when you take that philosophy and you use that with children with autism, you just kind of have to change the lens a little bit because what they love might not be something that seems valuable to us, but it's what they love. And that's why it's so important for us to figure it out. And it doesn't, what I say to parents is, um, you know, if you have a child with autism and let's say their comfort activity is taking a matchbox car and just spinning the wheels and watching it, we're going to start there, but we're not staying here, but we're going to start here. And because of that, we're going to make huge gains. Um, but a lot of times what happens is, is we skip right over that and we try to get to the end goal without realizing that, well, the way that I put it a lot of times to people is it's kind of like, think about a house. You wouldn't put the roof on before you, before you put the foundation and the walls up. You have mm-hmm. to, and that's what this is. The relationship piece is the foundation. That's uh, a piece that you're always going to go back to. Well, I, th- I think too, when you try to accomplish stuff that you have to realize, I think, wh- what was the, uh, it's kind of like people, I heard this, like people overestimate what they can do in a year, but they underestimate what they can do in 10 <laughs> is because you don't you're not patient just to like let things happen. Yes. And I think that when you said like trying to get a kid from 
step A to Z by jumping them up to M on the first day. Oh my gosh, you just summed that, it all up. Okay, I, like right idea because I'm like <laughs> if if like you're probably working with these students for. I mean, how how many months is like a normal time to work with a student? Could it be a couple years? Could it be just a few months? Is it? So our goal in the Birth to Five program is to get children to kindergarten with the least amount of services possible. Um, and, and it's okay, obviously, if they go with, if they end up going to kindergarten and still needing services, but that's our goal. So a lot of times kids with um, just your basic everyday speech sound disorder, that kind of stuff, typically we can discharge them before they get to school. Um, but I've had children on my caseload that using the play project um, philosophy who are diagnosed with autism suddenly don't qualify for services anymore. Um, so it just, it's, it's a spectrum. You just, you never know. So, and then some kids you think, oh yeah, this child's going to have therapy for six months. And then, you know, you're 18 months down the road. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you just, you just don't know. But like, if you take even six months, like six months from start to finish, you can do a lot by taking mm-hmm. those like small baby steps. Yes. Like- that's, that's the piece of it. But in our society where instant gratification is what we go to. So for families say who might look something up on the internet and, and maybe they see, well, if you treat autism this way, you know, we can have your child saying 75 words in five months. Well, what is that parent who's never heard mom, mama or dada, or, or I love you or anything like that? What are they going to do? They're going to gravitate to that. And And the play project definitely is slow. Um, But what I always tell parents, though, is that it takes a while to build, but it's like this snowball and it just keeps picking up snow and picking up snow and picking Mm -hmm. up snow. And then all of a sudden you just have this giant snowball and you can't even remember being in that little place anymore. It's funny you say that because I I allude to the snowball effect all the time is that what you just said. It's like when you start off, you're rolling a snowflake then it turns into a little snowball and then it turns into like like the big snowball that you put at the base of a snowman. Like, yes. and, but it's every, everything's a rotation, but every rotation is compoundly bigger, exponentially bigger. Yes. And I think, like you said, you build the foundation of the one snowflake. Yes. Um, yeah. And, and like people want to like rush the roll or they yes. want like, they want to just keep packing extra snow on yep. it. And it's like, yes. well, there's, there's only so much bandwidth that this thing can take. Um, I think we should be motivational speakers. I mean, yeah, that, that, no, we just, let's, let's just go out because yeah, I, we just need to just go out and tell us, just preach this to the world. Well, yeah. I, this is I, exactly it. Well, I just think, yeah, it's just like, it's a lot of, <laughs> but it goes back to like we said, with like 25 year olds demanding the world at work. And I'm like, you're kid, you just like picked up your snowflake out of school and you're rolling it. Like you got right. like a minuscule snowball right now and you're talking to someone that's been rolling a 30 year snowball that's going to be like get out of my face like right exactly and, and the thing is it's like there, i think there's there's a time to be confident but you if you're going on the edge of brash slash unrealistic where you're like overstepping and it's right. like okay like tone it down like and i think that comes down to this the patient aspects like it like i remember getting into my current position i was I was 20 years old at the time and like, I didn't know anything. And when you got into real estate, you were yeah. 20? Wow, that's yeah. young. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah, very young. I don't, I don't, yeah, it was young. And, uh, but what happened was, and I didn't know anything at the time and, and like really at all. And I would say, but I've been doing it every day for now 12, 13 years, like consistently every day. And it's, and now I look at when I was at 20, I almost don't even remember the time because I'm like, I don't even know what I was doing. Like I, I had my license, but like, I, I, I don't even know how I survived. <laughs> like fit, like with just knowledge or knowing what the hell I was doing. I didn't know that. But then, but what happened was I've just been doing the same thing over and over and over and over again at a level. Have you heard of the term 10,000 hour rule? 
Mm-mm. where if you want to be a if you want to be an expert in anything, just put ten thousand hours towards it, and you'll be an expert. So like you're an expert in speech pathology. You've spent ten ten thousand hours doing speech pathology. You know you've probably had ten thousand one on ones with children. Mm-hmm. And oh my gosh, that's crazy when you put it that way. Yeah. So I think it's a uh, is it uh, Malcolm Gladwell? So it was some someone that came coined the theory, but it was like, hey, if you want to be an expert, say at guitar play 10,000 hours. You will be an expert at guitar. So when I think about some things that, you know, when you think of like your favorite musician or favorite actor or favorite whatever, name someone that has a skill, chances are they've put over 10,000 hours into that skill. It's just at a certain level. So you're like, wow, that magician's really cool. Well, who wants to do 10,000 hours of of magic tricks unless you're really into magic? So we see that, like you said, we see the 10,000 hour result or I go see a concert and see someone that's playing on stage and then realize they've been playing for 30 years nonstop. But I'm seeing them now where I'm like, that's cool. And then if I pick up a guitar and I get frustrated when my fingers start hurting (laughs) because I'm picking a string, I'm like, this is stupid. I'm like, 30 years ago, the person was doing the same thing and then they just, but they stuck with it. Right. So that's why I think when people look at what they want to accomplish. Like you can really accomplish anything. It's just, are you disciplined and patient enough to put the time in? And most humans aren't myself included. Like I would love to be a professional golfer. I love golf. Am I going to put 10,000 hours to become, (laughs) I'm like, probably not. Like I've just, I like it. But like when you really, and you're talking like 10,000 of focused, like practical application of it not like hey i went to work for eight hours today but you carved in an hour and a half of youtube like that doesn't count as like your ten thousand hours is actually ten thousand hours of like focus in the trenches kind of stuff right so i think that's just what it it comes down but even as a kid like you don't need ten thousand hours but maybe they need 200 hours right right you know yeah yeah, it's you yeah you never know and like i said it's it's kids surprise me all the time because Sometimes I think like this is going to be, you know, we're going to be done in a couple months and then we're literally a year and a half down the road. You just, you just never know. But it's funny though that you say that about the 10,000 hours and just sticking, sticking with something because the play project, we sent our entire agency, including um, our kitchen staff. Everybody went to the play project training because that's how important we felt it was. Our office manager did everybody went because we wanted everyone to understand and, and know like what it meant. And it's been very slow to take off. We did that in 2018. It's been really slow to take off in um, Clinton County, whereas in Texas, that is their, that, that's what they use. That The entire state has adopted that. Ohio, the entire state has adopted that for early intervention. And when you say slow, you mean at like the state level or you mean at the local level? Or you just at the mean local like, level. It's just... Or is this like teachers or parents buying into it? I, all of it. Um, it's just, it's challenging because we've done, we have treated autism a certain way for so long. It's really hard to get people to, to buy into. Maybe there is a different way and not to say that that way is wrong. Just, Hey, could we do this a little bit better? Well, I think it goes back to like that simplifying the complex. Like when you go from basics, which you've learned, which are probably still applicable and still work, but then they, but you're now even simplifying almost even to a deeper level where you're like, you know, it's more of like, you know, whether it's like an internal, you talk about like having, you know, you as a human, like working out or, you know, reading the Bible or doing things like that, that really draw you into yourself to make you better. Kind of like looking inward, like that might be the same thing with this. It's like, you're looking inward to that person's world and their world, you know, as someone that's a young child is not exercising and reading the Bible. Like someone at a young age <laughs> is rolling wheels on a car. Right. Like it's their, whatever it is that makes them happy or centered right. or whatever. And I think, you know, you're kind of going 
you're going to the root of it. And I, I, uh, I heard this now I've said in the podcast before, but like most people in life, if you take, if you take a problem and you, you say that a problem is a tree, most, okay. spend, most people spend too much time cut, cutting back the leaves than actually going to the root of a problem. So when, you, so when you look at a, a problem, like you're looking at it, like I... we're going to whatever is important to that child, but instead we're hitting all this out here, which at the end of the day is, is not really significant. Oh and gosh, it's, I love that. Yes. Yeah. So you, you know what I'm talking Like you have a root yes. and then the trees and like you're yes. just sitting there trimming the tree down, but like your actual problems, like the roots in the ground, Right. like if you have like a um, shout out to Anna here, but if you have like root rot, your tree's going to die. <laughs> Go to Anna. <laughs> I know because it happened, She'll to, fix it. It's happened to me. So. But if you have root rot, your tree's going to die. But instead, you're too busy like pulling out the little dead ones around right. the top because it looks pretty that way. But I'm like, oh, no, you should actually change the soil because this thing's right. dead. So it's kind of that analogy. That's exactly what it is. Yes. And because I'm birth to five, mm-hmm. that analogy makes sense regardless. But because... You're working with saplings at that yeah, point. There, yeah. yeah. Yep. There yeah. you go. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. I just... I think... I, I like the idea because like I said it's going like inward. And I think that that's, you know, whether... I just, so one of my, uh, one of my mentors told me that rest is the basis for all activity that you need to rest in order to be active. Now, granted, <clears throat> you're not resting at all. right I, now. <laughs> I see him and I'm like, yes, that makes sense. I'm going to do it. And then I walk out the door and life hits me and I'm like, yes. Oh, okay. But, but it's the, I, it's that, uh, you know, I think just that, that's that like rest, just that quiet, that reflection that just pause all the stuff that we as humans really need in life because mm-hmm. i think that one of the things that we're really just in is just that day-to-day just go 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 be yeah. you know, do more do more do more do more and then it's that like you don't have to do more you just get like do stuff that you like doing and do stuff that's impactful but don't don't just move for the sake of moving Right. Don't be a firefly in like a mason jar, just like flying around, but not actually traveling anywhere. You know, it's like, you know, so I think I I like the idea of like going to the, going to the root of whatever it is. And that, that's that kid's world at that point. Yeah. That, yes, exactly. And there's value to that. that Yeah. I mean, not you, but I'm saying like outsiders. Yes. And there's, there's such value to that. Um, but we, we'll get better about it. Definitely. And when I say we, I just mean society. There's definitely a lot more knowledge, um, and information coming out, but you know, using your tree analogy, it's, it's like anything, right? Like even, so I I said to you before we started, you and your wife, you're in the weeds right now because you've got, you've got three under four, like your life is nuts. And I totally understand that, that place we had three under four and then we were pregnant again. So yeah, we're we're not, we're (laughs) we're going to go. We said the same thing. We said the same thing, Galen. Don't. (laughs) Yeah, never say never. We've, we've taken precautions <laughs> to make sure that hasn't happened. So oh, yeah, after my fourth, um, I my husband had a vasectomy and I had my tubes tied in the same week. I'm not even kidding you. Okay, well yeah. we didn't go that yeah. extreme, but we're <laughs> we're following that path. Yeah. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but if you think about, so when I say the play project changed me personally and professionally, so uh, like, if you think about a marriage, um, a marriage is like, that's your, the trunk of the tree is the marriage, right? Mm-hmm. And then like the leaves are your kids and your in-laws and all those other things that come into play. And a lot of times we spend a lot of times with the leaves, right? Mm-hmm. And not with the actual trunk. And so taking that time, just that intentional time to just build a relationship with your with your wife, even if it's little things. Like my husband and I have coffee every morning. We get up at five o'clock because that's the only time our house is quiet. 
Yeah. I was up at 4 50, oh, 4 30 today. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. It's crazy. So, when you say like the play project, like I think even attributing to, you said you say it to your husband, but <laughs> like my wife's going back to school right now. So, oh, wow. So, we have that going on. Like, yeah, wow. we just, we you just, are really in the weeds. We just do it. I don't, yeah, I know. And that's because that's all you can do, right? That's I, all you can do. Well, it's, it's one where I don't like to pause life because of like, now maybe that's the opposite of what I've been saying this whole time about like, re- like resting, but. I also think we're in that stage in life where we still have to build, build, build in certain regards. Yep. Um, yes. And we just happen to just kind of dump a lot of things in in the pile <laughs> at the same time. So we, we always look at it. It's like we – it's really about two more years of just chaoticness. And then right. we're like, I think we're going to be we'll – we'll hit like a little bit of a plateau, take a breather, and then – Hopefully, I mean, we'll end up doing something crazy, I'm sure. Well, but. yeah, because then new things, like you always think yeah. that, but really the reality of it is it's your life. Well, yeah, <laughs> and you just, and, and it makes you better, like mm-hmm. it's crazier, but at the end of the day, you come out just, like you say, like stronger because of whatever you're doing or just better equipped to deal with stuff. But the play project, like my wife, she'll talk to me now because this is like a thing that she's doing and she'll talk to me about her classes or other students or what her teacher said or what some things that she read and and some of the like I really try two things I try to ask her how it's going each like each day like how's your school going like how you know what are you learning like what what's your paper on what's you know what are you researching um partly because that's like she's invested heavily in it and I'm more trying to be supportive because I'm not in. I'm taking the classes. Like I'm not learning what she's learning. Right. I mean, I might be understanding more of it based on her, you know, our conversations. But it's I don't I don't want her to go through, you know, the program on her own. Kind of like, hey, just go do it, and you're gonna be like shut out from us. Like I'm trying to almost like pull it into our life. Says like, hey, let's like just. We're, I mean, our kids are too young, but like you and I, we're just aware of like what you're doing and like kind of right. what you're working towards. And if somebody asks me, I can tell them like you're, what you're doing or why you're doing it and stuff. And you're being intentional about what's important to her right now. Correct. <laughs> and I think that's almost like it's her version of the play of like, she's not spinning a car wheel, but she's researching and taking courses and writing papers. And, you know, one is asking her about it. And two is when she just wants to tell me about it is really trying to just like, like, okay, no matter what I'm doing, it's kind of like my kids. Like, what do you, okay, what do you guys need? And then like, you know, which it's constant, but it's, it's, it's like, okay, what do you guys need? And it's, but it's kind of like her. She'll say to me, okay, so like, no, like I'm going to stop. Like, tell me about your, like, let me just focus and you tell me about your thing. And, you know, I'm trying to get better at it, but that's something I think from a play thing is I, I try, like I intentionally try to do that for her as I would do something with my kids or read before bed or, you know, play puzzles or whatever, you know. Even if they're excited, like my daughter did something the other day and she's like, I did it. Like she was excited. And I was like, <laughs> awesome. Like, even though it was something like simplistic in her right. world, it was like, I conquered this thing that I, I didn't think I could do where I surprised myself or I was excited that I, you know, ended up pulling it off. Cause like, you know, like you deal with, I'm sure like kids are always like, have this aha moment. Like, oh wow. I, I was able to say that word or whatever. Right. Something connects in their mind. But yeah. Like, you can tell when they're like they're like excited about what they just did, like or my son who can't talk is like excited that he did something. <laughs> his hands are moving, his face is smiling, he's giggling, and like you can repeat it because he understands you a little bit. But you like, but you can feed off that because like, oh wow, they're excited. That's right. just like me doing something it's that exciting. Connection. Yeah, it's uh, no, it's interesting, but it's um, I like it. I like the philosophy. I think it's simplistic. I think it's like again, you go back to that sim- the simple thought nature activity that. 
really carries more weight than I think that people think it should. That's it in a nutshell. It should be more complicated. That's exactly it. Because it's so simple, people get stressed about it. Like, oh boy, this, this can't be because this seems too easy, right? Too good to be true. Exactly. But in, in, but truly that's what it is. And it's interesting that it's difficult to train ourselves to be so, um, well, simple is not the right, I don't mean simple, like how you would say somebody's simple, but I mean, it's literally just like that. Yeah. Like I think, again, I was reading this the other day, they said like, you know, simple is beautiful. Like simple is like, you know, just simplistic. Yes. Um, like actually, it's kind of funny. Do you, I, I love the show. Do you watch The Office? Have you ever seen The Office? A couple times. I, oh, I, yeah. so this will fall flat. But like the the uh, <laughs> like the la- literally the last line in the entire series. Like I'm not going to spoil alert. Like if you haven't watched The right? Office yet. Like I don't care. <laughs> but the last line in the series is literally saying something about um, so, some like basically like sometimes there's beauty in ordinary things. Like it's just you know. Would you think like in that show it was just a generic office? Like people went and sold paper at a normal office that you would see all over the world, but you start getting the character connections and the bonds and the yes. memories and the stories and the you know even just the little relationships or deskmates. Like you build this tight bond with people, mm-hmm. so it's like there is beauty in ordinary things. A piece of paper. So same thing. Like I think there's you know if you really look at it, very simple things can make a massive difference. So Exactly. That, yeah. yeah, that is literally it. And and you can apply it to anything. Having a simple conversation with your wife just to say like, hey, I'm thinking about you and, and I care about you by saying to her like, so what did you learn about today? Or the 5 a.m. coffee. Or the 5 a.m. coffee. Yeah. Yes. Yep. That has sustained us. We'll be, we'll be 20 years in December. That's great. My wife doesn't <laughs> drink coffee, but maybe she will after she starts. Well, maybe I, she'll have tea and coffee. I, I mean, that was your combination today. We, we, at Starbucks. I, yeah. So, so we made, so full disclosure, Katie made coffee. I probably overly tired, not knowing what I was doing, put my mug down with a tea bag in it, which was great. Put the Keurig, just basically popped it up and popped it down quick, hit the start. And then I realized when I opened it, there was coffee and then I put two and two together. So my, I had tea with diluted coffee in it. Toffee? Toffee. Toffee. I love toffee. So maybe that's it. <laughs> had a toffee drink today. Um, well, Katie, if anybody wants to, we're going to end there, but if anybody wants to find out, work with you guys, reach out to you, how can they do so? Um, so you can go to adirondackhelpinghands.net. And we have a fabulous um, web page that. New web page, new design. A new web page, new design by the fabulous Anna Hewitt's channel. She is one awesome human. Little wild, you know what? She we was, love her. No, I adore her. I told my boys, I told them, I was like, gentlemen, I just want you to know, if you bring home a girl like her someday, you will literally make my life. She, she's she's she, she's a. I always tell about my daughter being one of one, but Anna's kind of one of one. Like she's a rare. There's no more. Prince, she's a rare breed. There's no more Prince of Anna. You get one of one, and that's that's it. So, um, all right, we're we're gonna end there. Episode one eighty four, Gail and Trombley show. We're out. Thanks for listening to the Galen Trombley Show. If you want to reach me, you can go on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. The spelling, G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y.